Welcome to another Wheel Nerds podcast. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 68. I'm Chuck. And I'm Todd. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And... Everyone's got that stuck in their head for the rest of the day. <laughs> Take that, listeners. <laughs> They're going to be sitting in a meeting and the boss is going to be like yelling at them. The boss is going to be like, if you don't get this better, you're fired. In their head, they're thinking, mana, mana. <laughs> Nothing like a little brain worm to get your day going. Mm, and they're going to start giggling, and then they're really going to get fired. <laughs> They'll be giggling on their way out to the street. <laughs> so this week, this Just week we have an interview. S- very special treat. Long in the making, an interview. We uh, we tried to uh, get... Months in the making. <laughs> months in the making. But uh, you'll understand why, because this guy is hard to kind of pin down. Yeah, Eric Gregian has been traveling around uh, with his dog Spirit in the sidecar of the various bikes for years. For years, so logging thousands and thousands of miles. Periodically, he comes into range of a phone. <laughs> <laughs> this time, we actually managed to catch him while he was in range of a phone. <laughs> so we're just going to jump right into it. Let's jump right in. All right, so we're on with Era Gregian. Era, how's it going? It's going good. It's Hello. going good. Yeah, winter is finally here. Yeah, we noticed. We, yeah. We got like two feet of snow. <laughs> yeah, well, it dropped down to 87 today, so I'm pretty happy. Oh. <laughs> I can hear the smugness in your voice. <laughs> Riding season is starting for us. I mean, it always is, but, you know, we come south in the wintertime, and we got south a little too early. It was in the upper 90s so right now it's like 40 and uh it's perfect and so when you say we you're talking about you and spirit your co-pilot my co-pilot yeah the dog (laughs) (laughs) he's an adorable dog i've had i've had more pictures of spirit as the background on my work computer than i care to think Uh about Gee, thanks for stealing them. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me smile. You, sir, are a thief. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Busted. Where where can I send the bill? (laughs) How many times do you want me to punch him? (laughs) I'll do it. I'll do it right now. Just say the word. I'll do it. Era, you've been traveling around now for is it six, seven years, something like that, with Spirit in the sidecar. And... Oh, uh, we just entered our our seventh year. We left wow. in first uh, of November two thousand six. From and, where? Well, we actually left from Georgia. I lived in uh, Naples, Florida, for twenty two years, and then uh, when my son passed away, I just left. I just couldn't handle the business and try to get little jobs here and there, you know, without any responsibilities that didn't work out very well. I was kind of an angry man at the time. So I ended up in Georgia, north of Atlanta, and things didn't go very well there either. Well, it is Georgia. (laughs) This is where I would usually make a joke about getting angry letters about Georgia, but no one there can write. They do. They do have good writers there. I, actually, that was the main reason why we end up in Georgia. I end up in Georgia because of the Georgia mountains and mm-hmm. Shenandoah. You know, the old Gap, one eighteen, one twenty nine, all those uh, fabulous roads. But my riding was very different at the time. You know, it was fast riding, track days, stuff like that. So those days are over. What kind of bike were you riding back then? Oh, back then it was, uh, my favorite was a Ducati 998. And then I had a 900 SS, a K12. Lots of really slow machines. Yeah. Slow machines, yeah, yeah. So what what led from there to uh, basically living full-time on a sidecar? Well, you know... I had gotten uh, a job with a restaurant and things didn't go very well. 
they actually had to shut it down and I had spirit already because I really had felt the need of having a dog. He's my third dog in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of the, I call it the classic, uh, when you've lost everything, what else is there to lose? But for me, it was just get on the road and go. Mm-hmm. Sure. I got the sidecar for him on uh, GS. I had ordered some goggles for him already put them on he jumped in i still have the first picture when he jumped in and that was it it was really that simple so you had a gs with a sidecar yeah which i still have it uh it blew up at uh 281,000 miles and it's got an arc (laughs) (laughs) it's called good maintenance yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, if it, you know, I gotta be honest. If a bike blows up at two hundred eighty-one thousand miles, I don't know that that bike really owes you much of anything. <laughs> no, I was not unhappy, especially that I was on my way to do a presentation at uh, BMW of Albuquerque, and it started giving out signs a hundred miles before. I called them, and, and we basically limped exactly, you know, five feet from the their service <laughs> door. Actually, they were on the sidewalk. Uh, John and his assistant service manager, they they both turned around to listen to what in the world is coming in the park. <laughs> they just see this flaming this cloud wheels. of smoke <laughs> come rolling yeah. out of the cloud. <laughs> yeah, they put a video in the engine. You know, they have high-technology video heads now. And it was gone. So they, that's been replaced with an RT engine. And it's doing fine. The RT engine only has 30,000 miles. Uh, it's a real road warrior. But now we also have a, a Ural, which is a sponsorship. And uh, let me tell you, having two-wheel drive and reverse, we do a lot of off-road mainly. We like to camp where there's... You know, nobody around for about a week at a time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have the Ural now, which is pretty new. It's a special model. You know, it's called Terra Explorer. And really? uh, we just got back a couple of days ago, actually, from kind of the deeper south. And having two-wheel drive is just incredible. It, it, it'll go anywhere. I love reverse, too, on mine, just for total oh, you bragging rights. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Todd rides a Ural. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was actually how I originally found out about you and your trip and everything else was I was uh, looking at sidecar stuff and went on to uh, ADV Rider and there was, you know, started looking at ride reports and next thing I know, oh my God, there's a dog in a sidecar. I must have a sidecar. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which URL do you have? I've got a patrol. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, reverse. Uh, let's put it this way. There's no more apprehension. No, no, certainly not. <laughs> do, do you also make the beep beep noises like Todd when you back up? Uh, Spirit does that. <laughs> <laughs> he's good like that. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, he's really good. You've maybe you've seen some of his videos. I don't know. I can. I like the way he leans in the direction the sidecar is going. I can barely get Chuck to do that. <laughs> and I've given him so many biscuits, and he just he won't. <laughs> Well, you probably gave him the wrong kind of biscuits. Yes. <laughs> Steak. See, Aro's a chef. You, you're you. <laughs> I, I have a stove. Yeah. yeah I, I, used to, uh, I used to make him treats, pumpkin biscuits and uh, peanut butter. It's actually real simple. Wow, that sounds really cool, Todd. What are you giving me? So let's talk about that for a minute. So, so you used to be a chef, and it looked like from your site for a while you were kind of living the nomadic lifestyle and occasionally popping in to be somebody's temporary chef. Not exactly. I in the very beginning, I lived in France for about thirty years and lived in Egypt. My grandparents lived there. I lived in Alep, Syria. Believe it or not, lived in Uganda. Wow. Uh, being Armenian, we've had family all over the world mm. and did my culinary in Switzerland. And when I moved to this country, I did the restaurant bakery trip. And that was a little bit too much. 
no, I was a, a personal chef for about 40 different clients, mostly multimillionaires, billionaires, and I would manage to take five months vacation every year. Nice. I, lived on a sailboat for 28 years during that time motorcycles too you know would switch back and forth all the sailor bums and ski bums i know are going oh man i totally am doing the wrong job dude <laughs> personal chefing was great the teaching of culinary in in switzerland is very different than what they teach here it's a lot of systems, it's a lot of uh, logic, and uh, I couldn't find anyone to work with me. So being a personal chef, I basically worked alone for 22 years. And you know, when you can spend $10,000 for dinner for 12, it was a lot of fun, I have to say. A lot of traveling all over the world, uh, you know, a totally different lifestyle. We suck. <laughs> no, 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 you don't. You don't trust me. Uh, money is not... Uh, I now live a whole month on what I used to make in one day. This is a much better life. In a sense, it's a much better life. It's a harsh life. I mean, you guys write. Think about, you know, just being on the road constantly mm-hmm. and living in a tent constantly. Tons you know, salivating right now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't like tents that much. I do like a shower every week or so, you know. Oh, I, I got a shower. I got a shower with me, and every campground and uh, RV parks they have showers. We camp on BLM land and national forest. We basically camp for free. Mm-hmm. Very rarely go to people's friends' uh, friends' homes. We do have some friends we'll visit, maybe a few throughout the country. It's just a totally different lifestyle, totally different. On that note, I guess technically if we were to ask someone who just barely met you, they would say you're homeless. Yeah. Is, is that a fair assessment? Do you feel homeless? Is it fair I don't to feel say? homeless anymore. You know, the, the nature is my home. I, I, we feel at home anywhere we go. Kind of more homeful, I guess. I don't, I don't like being in a home. I, I actually really don't. I, I just visited a friend the other day who's got this big house, and I'm like, wow, what do you do here? <laughs> <laughs> what do you, why do you have to walk 80 feet from your bedroom to the kitchen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're making it sound bad now. I'm like, man, i got to go down six stairs. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, around the fridge. Oh man! So you're uh, you're traveling full time. That's that's what you do. That's what I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. we go with the weather. You know, north in the summer, south in the winter, and uh, it, it's totally different than traveling because we'll stay in one place for a week, two weeks, one month. We don't have a schedule. There's no time. There's no calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 full time. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you stay within the United States or do you go across borders? Right now, we're staying in the United States, and right now, it's my big thing. It's I'm personally feeling much better than I did six years ago. It's been a long ladder to climb mentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also in the big. You know, motorcycle community, 4 by 4 community, Overland Expo, mm-hmm. Overland Journal, you name it. I'm just coming across too many people that have never seen this country and are going around the world instead, or they're going to South America, which is great, which is great. You know, traveling is, is an incredible schooling, but... I think you should see your own backyard first. And the truth is, I mean, how many people really have the money and the time and the vehicle to go around the world for a year or two? Right. It's, you know, you get on ADV Rider and you you read all those ride reports. Uh, it's great. You know, it's eye candy. There's just too much eye candy. I'll go to expos, and there's too many, 
you know, wannabes and the Chrome Hummer syndrome, as I call it, and the me, me, me. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, we, we live in such a beautiful country, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. A lifetime wouldn't be enough to really explore it. You actually managed to inspire one of my students. I had a girl in one of my classes. I showed up on my patrol to teach, and she's like, oh, have you have you seen Aaron's Spirit? I was like, yeah, totally. I've read their site. She's like, oh, my God, I met him at Overland Expo. It's so cool. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. She's this tall, blonde chick, and she's like, yeah, and I'm going to get just something comfy and cheap, and I'm just going to go all over the country and just go wherever I feel like, you oh, know, cool. for vacations. Just point in a direction and go, because why not? Is she a rock climber? Yeah, I think so. She's got the hands oh. that are all banged up like that. I know who she is. Yeah, I, I just talked to her today. Oh, cool. wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, uh, her and her boyfriend just bought a Sprinter, and they're going to hit the road uh, as soon as it's it's set up, yeah. Nice. She, she runs uh, on Wednesdays at 2. She runs ATAQ on Twitter. Oh. Uh, I I don't get on it, but I know she does. Yeah, on Wednesdays I do. I hit Moto Chat on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I've seen Ara in there. I think. Yeah, a few times. yeah. Sometimes, mm-hmm. if if we don't we don't have a connection all the time, I actually find the internet being a little bit of a leash. Mm-hmm. Oh sure, yeah, totally. definitely. Uh, like we went to Mariscal Mines last week, and. I mean, there's no reception. There's no nothing for for days at a time. And then we will come back to to a connection. And you know, I go through my photos, and I generally write on my phone. And I, you know, use Evernote to sync with my laptop. And I have a great webmaster who donates his time to to what I do. Are, are you writing the articles you do for some magazines on your phone? Oh yeah, yeah. I oh, write wow. it. That's a- that's impressive. I, I write everything on my phone. Yeah, actually, he has big muscular thumbs. <laughs> no, no. I, actually, I'm waiting for a new phone to come out. It's a Galaxy Note two. That's five and a half inches. It's actually called a phablet. It's a phablet. P H. Oh, I I see. Because it's a yeah. All right. It's a phone tablet. Uh-huh. It's a phone tablet, yeah, and I think that's going to be perfect. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't do my photos with a phone. You know, I, I use a good camera. Right, yeah. Your, your uh, photos are beautiful. Thank you. They're not Photoshop. They're exactly what they are. My Photoshop is my patience. <laughs> uh, how do you pick your route? How do you, how do you navigate? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you... How do you decide where you're going to go next? Yeah, I mean, it's morning, you're packed up. How do, you, oh, do you just point in a direction and go? You know, it's really funny because... The spirit pick? <laughs> sometimes he does, but... I mean, there's been times where we've gone east for 10 miles and I've turned around decided to go west instead. There's certain areas we pick. Uh, locals tell us of certain places to go. Uh, I mean, I can take you places in Utah that nobody's ever been there. Even the natives don't know of those places. The weather is the big thing. I do like the technology for the weather. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I also carry uh, a spot. You know, you know what that is, right? Yep, the spot tracker. Yeah, and uh, I carry a sat phone. This was a good deal, pretty much unlimited minutes on a sat phone. And I have friends that I call to get the weather if I don't have reception. Mm-hmm. Well, weather is really, really a big thing. Fires in the summer. Oh, sure, yeah. Hmm. That's a huge thing. And, uh, you know, plan B, plan C all the time, which I hope you guys do also. Oh, yeah. All, always, always. Yeah, because nev- our trips never ever go well. No, <laughs> we, we, our, our, our luck is dicey. <laughs> they, it makes they're, they're good, it's always great stories, but yeah, they never go to plan. But yeah, it's kind of interesting because you know I think about the weather, and I, I ride you know to work pretty much all year long, all winter, huh. all summer, and all everything else. And I think about oh, I'm really more aware of the weather than everybody else. But then again. I go to the office and I go inside and there's heat. I go to my house and I go inside and curl up next to the fire. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 
I much prefer cold than hot. Mm. Mm-hmm. We don't do very well in heat. Mm. Actually, summer can be a problem for us. Heat and uh, mosquitoes. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Mm. wonderful. Lovely combo. <laughs> yeah, wonderful birds. Uh, <laughs> Aren't they the state bird of Maine or something like that? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll tell you, Wyoming, Montana, Louisiana, Alabama. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Everglades, uh you name it, you know. That's really one insect that I don't know who invented that guy, but <laughs> So is is there a state that you kind of favor as as destination? Uh I love Utah. Yay! Yay, us. Yay Utah. <laughs> Yeah, I love and Utah. Next week, when he's talking to someone else, he'd be like, "I love your state," <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be able to tell them all about their own state. Yep. <laughs> well, which state do you like? Uh, where do we live? Utah. Oh, right. Yeah, we're big fans of Utah too. Utah. You know, Valley of the Gods, Molly Point. You ever been to Molly Point? Haven't. No. Valley of the Gods is on my list that I haven't made it to yet. Oh, it's, it's, you know, you get to Valley of the Gods and then you go up Mucky Dugway, make a left, and seven miles of dirt road will take you to Molly Point, and that's the top of the world. I like to go to Toro Weep, which is the north rim of the Grand Canyon. That's about 60 miles of dirt road, less than a thousand people a year go there. It's raw. It's really raw. Uh, you know, just for our, our listeners and, and me, roughly how many miles have you logged? 281. Well, that was on the GS. It exploded. So. <laughs> now exploded. He's a- uh, I'm going to say, you, you know, I'm just not one of those to keep track. Again, you know, I write reports, you know, we did 371.2 miles and four, <laughs> four hours and 12 minutes. And That would be and, less funny if he was actually joking about those kind of statistics. Yeah, yeah. Well, ADV. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, that's it's, it's the reality of it, you know, and I had three cheeseburgers and 6.2 gallons of fuel. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I urinated approximately four point six, <laughs> and then and I, 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 I read stuff like that, and I always I always wish you'd then. You know what you should do next time you see that is if you could just post a picture of Spirit next to the car licking his balls. I think that would be great. <laughs> Here's what Spirit did. Today. Uh, I don't know, maybe. Between thirty forty thousand miles a year. I don't know. This year is going to be a little less because we're we're going to pretty much stay around this area this winter. Fuel is uh, fuel is putting a dent. Yeah, I bet. Uh, it, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, and I think with everyone. And again, that's the difference between you know going on a vacation. Some someone that plans two weeks and has had one year to work out a budget where my budget is the same every month actually it drops as inflation goes up my budget drops we're very very fortunate we have quite a few sponsors helping us i've never asked for it you know they they just offer and that's cool you know tires oil Oh, that's very cool. It, it really is. It really is. I, I got another email from this tire sponsor today, and there, there's a lot of kind people out there. There's a lot of kind people out there. Trust me. Well, and I got to figure, Spirit, Spirit has sold more than one Ural at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Spirit was, I would say, I don't, I don't want to put us on a pedestal or anything, but Spirit was pretty much the pioneer of dogs riding in the sidecar. There's a gazillion dogs riding in sidecars these days, mm-hmm. uh, a lot, because 
you know, dog is a great companion. Uh, I haven't heard a complaint in six years. <laughs> <laughs> How does he let you know when he needs to go to the bathroom? Uh, we stop. We're so slow these days, it's pathetic, you know. A 200-mile day is a big day for us. Well, you know, in fairness, where do you have to be? <laughs> might as well Nowhere. enjoy the trip. <laughs> yep. Nowhere, you know. We can stop for fuel for two hours if we oh. strike a conversation with a local and learn about the area, or we can go right through it. Spirit sees a cute poodle. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, Spirit's good. He's he's not an urban dog. He's very much a desert dog. He does really well one-on-one without a leash. But he's very, very friendly. As soon as he sees people, he's got to go say hi. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except when he's in the car. When he's in the car and I'm not around, and even when I'm on around, he's a different dog. Maybe you'll get to experience it someday. He, 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 he looks very important. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, you know, he's the king in his castle, I guess. Well, he's, he's a, in a car. He's like, drive me home, Jeeps. <laughs> he's oh. uh, he's a king in this castle. If if I'm not around, someone gets near, he will growl. Mm-hmm. The key of the bike has never left the ignition. You know, it always stays there. I don't care. Everyone makes a little circle around when I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just can't see my dog Fargo being. As good a co-pilot as Spirit. <laughs> I'm seeing your dog Fargo trying to climb on top of you. It, maybe we should start uh, classes. How's that? There you go. Yeah. So There's some gas money. What are the concerns you have traveling with a dog versus a human? None. Why should I have any concerns? I Actually, I would have much more concerns if there was a human. Hmm. Just a couple days ago, we were, I don't know, about 60, 70 miles from really the nearest soul and I sleep really well he gives me about three to four minute warning before wildlife will come near or even someone you know someone's Mm -hmm. sometimes we're in an area there's could be a shady character driving around he's a great dog he's he's I don't train dogs we create a mutual understanding with a lot of love a lot of respect and uh, he lives his life, basically. I live my life. We have a good time together. You know, it, it's really like a perfect human, minus a couple things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where are you now? Right now, we're in Big Bend. Okay. You know where that is? No. Big Bend is on the map now. It really amazes me so many people don't know about Big Bend. Do you know where Alpine is? Alpine, Texas? No. Okay. I I, I don't know Texas very well. Okay. If you take a map, we're way south at the tip of Texas. Way, 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 way south. You got to... You got to ride... Todd is drawing Texas. I think Big Bend is here in kind of that little crook down by the Mexican border. Exactly. I'm about uh, 40 miles from the border. Tomorrow we'll be on the border, actually. Uh, it's 3 million acres altogether, about 1,500 miles of dirt roads. It's real nice. So you have a dog that rides with you? No, I have a dog that I would like to get on the bike. How, how big is this dog? He's about 25 pounds. He's a corgi terrier mix. Okay. And he My big a- problem with him is he's insane. How, how old is he? He's uh, 12. Oh. 11 to 12, yeah. I wonder who made, who made him insane. He came... He, wait, no, 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 no. He came to me that way. Uh, yeah, sure. He was a rescue. He was a rescue. I, I, I'm I, his his third home. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he had a multitude of issues before he you came know, to you me. You know, so much about that dog is making more sense to me now. In this you life. shut up. <laughs> He's a great dog. He's He's got some issues. How long have you had him? About five years now, I want to say. Wow. I don't, I, I, I don't have a, a Ural or a sidecar yet. yet. <laughs> oh, so I've wow. been like coming up with schemes to you know build like a box 
to go uh, on there. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's uh, I see that being done and no, if no. anything, if you got into a wreck or something, it's 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 just that would not be really a, bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like this guy showing at uh, Horizons Unlimited meeting with his what was it, six year old? He got a baby, a car baby seat strapped to the rear seat, and the kid strapped to the baby seat. Uh, is that legal? Wow. Yeah, you see the scenario there. Uh huh. Oh my God! Wow. Now, Spirit is in a harness. He's in a three-point harness. You know, the GS uh, has a roll bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's definitely some safety issues there. Well, you know, when I was coming back from California, I saw a guy on his Harley, and he had the dog kind of sitting on the gas tank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've I seen s- that too. Same problem there. You know, he had. I could see like the harness, a leash to the bike. But, you know, the dog's just sitting there, kind of tucked down behind the windshield. Huh. Well, you know, it's always the the notion that it's never going to happen to me. It's never going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I hope it never happens to you. But, you know, two wheels, you're riding on two square inch of rubber. It could happen. It's it's the same kind of thinking for not wearing helmets or mm-hmm. anything oh, else. I, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Whatever could you mean? We don't. We don't have the freedom to be idiots. That's that's all it is. You know, I I do believe in that gap. You know, all the gear, all the time. Mm-hmm. I've seen it all. I've seen a lot of accidents. I've rescued a lot of riders down. People don't realize the enormity of the situation when they're not wearing protective gear. It's it's that simple. And sure, protective gear costs money, no doubt about it. But, you know, skin graft also costs a lot and kind of leaves permanent damage. You can always replace the gear, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the world we live in. That's that's just how it is. Changing tax here. On, on your website, you sell... You know the these the one pan recipes like travel friendly recipes. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, what what advice do you have to us? What what should we pack on a bike if we're going to be going camping? Well, first of all, they're one pan recipes adapted from those recipes that I used to make. They're all you know natural ingredients. I don't use processed food. You know, health is a big issue when you're on the road. Health is a big issue for you. Should be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what do you do when you get sick? Sit in the tent, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I've 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 gone to hospitals. You know, it's happened. Emergency rooms and leave spirit with a security guard, and uh, you know, it's not a pretty situation, but it happens. I travel without refrigeration, which means. I basically don't eat any meat, mm. uh, which doesn't bother me. I know where meat comes from unless it's organic, and I'm not being a snob. So I would carry a little multi-fuel stove, like a little MSR or a titan- uh, Primus Titanium 5. They're, they're adjustable flames. And one pot. Today, camping stuff is incredible. It's it's so small, so compact, so strong, multi-purpose, and a little cutting board. All you need is one knife, really, one wood spatula, and uh, a little bucket. My bucket, my two-and-a-half-gallon bucket, is smaller than my fist. We carry a lot of rice and oatmeal and dried fruit and buy vegetables at the local stores, carry some oil and vinegar, lemon limes. This is sounding a lot like some of my gear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, simple, you know, simple, yeah. simple but good. There's no reason to eat bad on the road. Well, that's I, part of the experience, isn't it? Eating crap that tastes like sand out of packets that we put boiling water in that makes it like vaguely flavored sand. <laughs> uh well, I, I see it as a so, as a social event too. I, I teach the one pan cooking at Overland Expo in May every year, 
and it's a social event, you know, instead of stopping when it's dark, stop a couple hours earlier, get the food out, you know, if you have friends, sit together, cook something, eat, get to know each other, talk about the day, talk about the next day. Mm-hmm. It's all positive because you've you ate well, you're going to be healthier, you're going to feel better. So uh, it's it's like a, a collaborative kind of communal setup. I think so. I think so. That means you don't chase the other person away from the cooking. You you were reaching for it before it was done, and you deserved to be hit with the spoon. No, it it's very true. That's that's exactly what it is. It's it's a communal thing. I did an expedition with these guys that would stop, you know, ten o'clock at night, and <sighs> be, before even the meal was ready, they were, you know, ninety nine percent drunk. <laughs> But it's really hard to cook like that. Does that, that sound familiar or that something? That sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the stop it. I actually I, I figured we, well, that we one out. We do stop early. Yeah, we stop early. I figured but that then one we out get when I was going across early. Canada. <laughs> I was going across Canada with the wife, and we figured out that if we stop every day at 3, we set up tent leisurely, yeah, we get dinner ready, we settle in, we read a book a little bit. You know, and you, you miss like, oh, no, we, we didn't go that extra... 40, 50 miles, and, but if you're out for a long time, it's like, who gives a crap? Right. There you go. There Stop you go. At three, it's, start drinking at 3.15. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the quality of the time, you know. It's not that many... So many people have written to me, you know, they, they plan to do the continental divide in a month, or <laughs> do coast to coast in so many days, and three days later, they're so exhausted, they, they write to me like, hey... We're ready to go home. You know, this isn't working out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, hey, you know, instead of choosing 24 countries in 12 days, just pick one space or two spaces and enjoy the quality of the time. Mm-hmm. You, I promise you, you will see things that you didn't think you were going to see. There's plenty to see in your own backyard, uh, your own there's, state. There's, there's so much to see. It's it's just incredible. That's why I don't feel too bad, you know, that we're going to be here for a little bit. It's, like I said, three million acres. There's two parks here, state park, national park. It's all mm-hmm. primitive camping, a few people that we got to know. But cooking on the road is great, especially in the summertime. I mean, you start going north. You can basically shop on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. I love that. Fresh vegetables and fruit. And even if you want to eat meat, you know, look for the local butcher. They'll give you some ice. Cook it that night. I don't think we saw the inside of a supermarket the whole California trip I took up through Northern California and the Pacific Northwest. We just bought veggies and whatever was on the side of the road, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was great. It was cheap, too. Yeah, and it sure uh, beats eating out mm. because you never know what you're going to get when you eat out. And it's pretty expensive to eat out. I couldn't eat out. There's no way I could eat out or want to eat out. I went to Terralingua yesterday, and there's, you know, a little thousand people, little town, and one grocery store. and. Today I managed to make uh, a nice mango salsa with some basmati rice. It was really good. This interview is making me hungry. Uh, yeah, I was just like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> The lesson is we need to travel with a personal chef. <laughs> we need to catch up to him. <laughs> well, there he is. Get him. He's got his stove out. Every day when he pulls over, we'll just ride up and be, hey, oh, <laughs> we're, no, we're kind of hungry. If you're going to travel with us, you're going to cook with us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I've, I've been asked, actually, why don't I set up little tours like uh, that would include photography, cooking? Oh, that just sounds like so much work. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I said, uh-uh. No, this is, that sounds like defeating the purpose. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be 65. It's, you know, kind of my last hoopla. No, no, it... It's a great idea, but, uh, yeah, you know. No. No. I, could, I could see that. No, no. See, what we'll do is we'll just stalk him and surprise him every day. Uh-huh. Oh, hi, you're here. <laughs> Look, we've got bags of stuff we bought. 
Cookie. That's happened. Believe it. <laughs> that's that's because of the spot. So uh, I make sure I turn off my spot now before. <laughs> Hi, we're we're here and we we have these vegetables. <laughs> what was us? Our bikes are broken down. Right. I can see our spirit just come around the corners like twenty dudes on bikes. You'll have to pass the spirit test first. <laughs> we brought steak. Yeah, that's an A plus right there. <laughs> it always wins over Fargo. <laughs> So do you see the journey coming to an end ever? Not really. As as long as you can go, huh? Yeah, you know, it's one day at a time. My my life is a little bit different than most. There's really no serious planning or because my life is full of surprises every day. Actually, this way I can adapt to the surprises pretty easily where if you have a structured life you know, job, house, two and a half cars, wife, three kids. That's kind of hard. Surprises can be a little more difficult to handle. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a few more years. Uh, I feel like we, we just begun. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really, really do. I mean, I, I it's it's really strange. I just mm-hmm. really feel like begun. What, what it is is experiencing the road and nature at such a different level than if you take just one week off or even a month off such a different level and that's and it's that level that is so hard that would be so hard to turn your back on mm-hmm. but maybe someday maybe have a little place and do a couple months and then come back for a couple weeks and then go for another month or two I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So you're in your 60s. How old is Spirit? <sighs> Spirit is about eight and a half. He's a rescue. Mm-hmm. He's about eight, and I'm going to be 65 next year. I have done the math already, trust me. Mm-hmm. I hope he goes before I do. It'll be very hard on me, but I think it'd be harder on him if I went. He's, he's incredibly attached to me. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're the person he sees every he day. So he probably thinks of you as his pet human. Hey, yeah. it's the food guy. I love this guy. 24-7, Make, 365, you know. Make the bike go. <laughs> A lot of people have actually noticed that. It's like, wow, that's all he does is look at you, you know. His eyes are on me 24-7. Judging you. <laughs> no, I don't think <laughs> That's what Fargo does to me. <laughs> you know, one of my quotes is, always be who your dog thinks you are. I think that's a very good quote, because dogs are so loving. I mean, who who else would ride in a sidecar with their butt on the chair for 300,000 miles without a complaint? <laughs> Not a wife. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. I'll say it. I didn't want to say that. You she know. doesn't listen. I'll say it. <laughs> All right. So make sure you check out Era's site. It's uh, oasisofmysoul.com. Check out his one pan recipes. They are pretty awesome. Yep. We'll have the link up for the, with the show. Ara, thanks for being on with us. This has been really good. Yeah. You guys stay in touch. Well, you'll definitely see at least one of us at the Overland Expo next year. Introduce yourself at Overland Expo, please. Are you kidding? You're going to have to peel me off of your bike. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look at Spirit after you. Spirit <laughs> will be attached to my ass. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if I'm lucky, I'll have Fargo there to distract him. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks a lot, Era. All right. Really you guys take care, there. all right? Yeah, I'm so glad we finally got oh, a chance yeah. to talk to awesome. you. All right. You take it's care. Been worth the wait. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that was really. I mean, this guy is really cool. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's a funny thing because you know he's he's he seems very content with the life he has. The the way it led into it was tragic and really sad. Yeah, his son was only in his twenties when he passed away. Mm-hmm. So and that that's one of those things. No parent should have to deal with that. That 
my daughter's not even born yet and the idea crushes me but i do i can't even no yeah uh yeah that's that's something you know as a parent you just never ever want to even conceive of mm. yeah and but it's interesting what he's he's done as a way to yeah coping is really a healing you know he talked yeah. about at the beginning he was kind of an angry guy and i don't get that at all now no in fact he sounds very kind of laid back and yeah, he's kind of, kind of, kind of you, get, you get a little bit of that, like, uh, I don't know, almost like the Buddhist monk. Yeah, 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 is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the whole, the whole, uh. Be in the moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the, what, what's that dude? The Dalai Lama kind of vibe. Hmm. Yeah. That'll happen when you have a lot of time inside your own head. Yeah. And a dog's head. And a dog's head. That isn't Fargo. And I still think of now. And he, I still think of the super ADV guys with their seventy six point four and all this. And then, and then I just imagine Spirit sitting next to the sidecar, looking his balls. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yep, adventure." How many miles have you guys gone? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Adventure. <laughs> well, you know, you look at a dog licking his own balls, and you're just like, "God damn it! Why can't oh, I be, be a more flexible?" <laughs> I need to go to yoga more. No wonder dogs are so content all the time. <laughs> No, it's really cool. I, li- I like what he's got to say about the food, too. So much of that living on the road is such a different experience because I think of vacations and I think of pretty hardcore vacations being out for a few weeks and you lose track of time. You know what time is it? Who cares? Is it time to sleep? I don't know. You feel tired? Yeah. What, okay. Where's the sun? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the weather report for next month? Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. suddenly the weather takes on a whole new meaning for you. But even in those cases, you're on that vacation, you're thinking, oh, the weather takes on a whole new meeting. But, you know, worst case scenario, you get a hotel room. Right. Yeah. Imagine, you know, the snowstorm I was stuck in with the Buell and I went down. Mm-hmm. I just had to call a tow truck. Yeah. And, you know, I'm fine. Imagine I'm like, okay, now I've got to put up a tent. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different animal. Oh, yeah, that would be. Um, but the one thing I would take issue is when I'm on a road trip, I want to eat what the people there are cooking. There is that. Yeah. Of course, I'm not a personal chef with years of training. <laughs> this is true. I like. I kind of like a mix of the two. I like making my own stuff because it's cheap and it's familiar and it doesn't do anything weird to your stomach, generally right. speaking. But I, I agree. I, I you know I, I try to sample what the locals are eating. Yeah, one meal a day. I do want to eat what they're eating. On the other hand, I guess if you're buying stuff on the side of the road, yeah. you're kind of eating what the locals are eating, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, if you definitely know how to cook better than anyone there. Well, even you know, even even if you don't, I mean, you know, what are the locals eating? They're probably eating the same veggies you're buying. Yeah, you know, what's yeah. good right now? Oh, these are great. Yeah, have some. We got squash. You keep saying these words about vegetables and fruits. I, I'm just picturing hamburgers. Hey, you ate the journey rice and you loved it. I have to eat the journey rice. That's what was for dinner. Well, there you go. <laughs> If you touch the pot before it's done, you get your hand smacked with a spoon. That's what the spoon is for. I don't actually need the spoon to stir it. I, just it's just strictly there for it. smacking. You're, it, you it's... are a, a dictator, dictatorial dictatorial. You are a fascist. <laughs> you think I'm bad. You should see my grandfather. He wouldn't slap your hand with a spoon. He'd point the big honking knife at you and sometimes embed it in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make a point. I'm very casual about my cam cooking. I, mm-hmm. You know, I'm very, I'm, you know, I want to collaborate. I want to, you know, mm-hmm. communal. You know. No, and I'm, I'm good with, I'm good with the communal stuff, and I'm good with the social you thing. Stabby, but, stab, stab, stabby. But, but you know, I'm, I'm working on this stove right now. It's my workspace. I'm busy. <laughs> But I, I do like what he's getting at. I mean, I totally am a fan now of the you stop early because oh, yeah, if you don't stop early, you're A, you're, like that last trip of ours, you're putting up tents in the dark, which blows. Yep. And that's no fun to begin with. And you have no time to just kind of like take a load off. Well, the other trip of ours where we did stop early. Yeah, it was wonderful. We could t- we took a hike. Yeah. We picked flowers. Mm-hmm. We wove little wreaths that we placed on each other's heads. Yes. We took off our shirts and sang and pranced mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and minced. Minced. I wasn't mincing. <laughs> I was clearly gallivanting. You were skipping gaily. Well. Well, birds were nesting in your your locks of flowingness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were picking picking things that fell naturally from the tree in wicker baskets and taking them back to our biodiesel-powered microbus. Right, right. And then when we started kissing, that was great, too. That didn't happen at all. <laughs> it was after. Is that why you went in your tent and didn't come out for a long time? Remember that rag I handed you and asked you to smell? <laughs> I asked you if it smelled like chloroform. <laughs> it smelled like chloroform. <laughs> this got weird in a hurry. <laughs> we better go to some listening. Now. 
did we get here? <laughs> Quickly, to the listener mail. Save us, listeners. Save us from Chuck being Chuck. Uh, let's see. Our first one we got from uh, Roland. Yeah, Roland sent us some feedback on Zach. Yep. My God, love that interview with the MMI student. He was great, and I'm sure he'll be amazing by the time he finishes the program. It's probably a good idea to let the listeners know that if they do take a motorcycle into a dealership, odds are the mechanic will know what he's doing. It's also worth noting about this mystifying CR125 the student owns. Most local shops charge 175 to 200 bucks for the labor to replace a two-stroke lower end. Parts are extra. In most shops, the hourly service charge is a dollar per hour. This means the mechanic needs to do a three- dollar an hour. Oh, sorry, a hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> I was like, "What shop is that? I want to go, <laughs> or maybe I don't want to go. <laughs> Probably not." This means the mechanic will need to do three or four of these lower end rebuilds per day to make a living. I've done these myself in my home shop with proper tools in four hours. Yes, but the end of the job, I was drunk, stone naked, and turgid. But that's not the point. Uh, P.S. That's a lot like that trip we felt. Thanks to both of you deadbeats for doing a show this week. At this point, it's okay to note that it did take a fucking hurricane to shut the Pace podcast down for a week. For a change. (laughs) Take that, the The Pace. pace. So he covers a lot of ground there. And and, and to note, he wrote a lot more about our local shops Mm -hmm. and which ones he likes. What do you think about taking the bike? I mean, you're you're a shade tree mechanic. What do you think about taking your bike to the shop? I just won't do it. I, I had an appointment once, and I didn't like their attitude, and I just fixed it myself and canceled the appointment. Their attitude? Yeah, their attitude. Like, they just couldn't be arsed. They, 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 I came in, I said, Vistrom, here's what's going on. Here are the things I've already done. And I could tell halfway through where I was talking about what I'd done to diagnose it, the guy was spaced out already, mm-hmm. you know. And this is like the, the head dude at the shop. The shop. Know? He's the, like the, the, the fat old guy behind the thing, you know, mm-hmm. who's telling the others what to do. And the attitude I got was just like, ugh. Now, really? you turn that around. Could it be because not, you, know, not you, he, mm-hmm. you know, remove Todd from this equation. Sure. Dude comes in. And he's like, I've done this and this and this, and I totally know what I'm doing. Mm. But now the bike's on fire. Interesting point. So he's thinking, like, Ugh. what did this asshole do? You're looking at him going, oh, and he's looking at you going, oh. That's an interesting point, actually. <laughs> you know what? So this chucklehead has already been deep, elbows deep in this bike. Because, great. You, you know, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You've seen me work on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> And then I show up at a Harley shop. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I had the clutch out, and it, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of that. That's certainly a possibility. I come in and I say I've done all this stuff, and I'm, you know, as far as he knows, I'm just some jackass. Right, yeah. You know, and, and frankly, in a motorcycle shop, I'm a really young jackass. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, yeah. That's, I'm double jackass. I mean, uh, Roman made a good point in the letter that he, you know, a lot of these shops, they've been in business for decades even. Mm-hmm. And they're, if they're blowing up people's bikes, yeah, would they stay in business? Probably not. On the other hand, I remember I went with you to the dealer one day, and we were talking about parts, and the guy was just kind of spaced out. Like, he didn't know what we were talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I so it's. it's I think a, it's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. It's kind of a gamble. Mm-hmm. And I think it depends on the dealer too. I mean, the dealers that really take pride in what they do, it comes across usually, and that their employees are expected to take pride in what they do. The ones who are just kind of there to be a big bike vending machine are well, they're a bike vending machine. I, you know, I guess what I, I wonder is, you know, I remember when we were talking to Zach, he was saying, like BMW, they have their own program. Mm-hmm that the MMI students are going through, and those are the mm-hmm. only people that the shops will hire. Yeah. I wonder if all the dealers are like that, you know, that they want MMI or they want graduates. You I know? think I think the implication is that that would be possibly desirable, but they aren't all. Yeah. There's no way some of these guys I've talked to are MMI graduates mm-hmm. because the stuff I'm asking them, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's usually, I think part of it is it's like any place. You go to any workplace. There's the competent guys, and yep. they represent third twenty five percent of the workforce. Yep. There's the guys who get by just by you know working hard. That's fifty percent, and they get twenty five percent of you just fucking dead weight. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there and they've managed. They've worked just enough to keep the job, and that's about it. You know. Yeah, it's who you get putting yeah. hands on your bike that day. Mm-hmm. Well, and realistically, who's the guy you meet at the desk? Is it competent guy? 
No, he's in the back fixing the damn bikes. <laughs> you get Chucklehead because mm. Chucklehead is out in front where he can't do so much damage. Oh, see, but we come back around to that thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at him and you're like, you are an idiot. That's true. And he's sitting there writing down and saying, I can't call you an idiot. <laughs> I just have to write this down. <laughs> Customer is an idiot, but I can't say it. <laughs> That's true, I suppose. We, I, come I was, back, we come back to the, the, the Todd view of the world. I, I was accused once of having a blanket that says, I am smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the way you look at me. <laughs> I know. I look t- at everybody that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's being recorded and broadcast to the world for posterity. <laughs> oh, I backfired. <laughs> yes, my work here is done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Roland wasn't the only person who wrote us. Uh, no, about Zach. Uh, Sean uh, wrote us. He says you mentioned Zach. Just needed some pedals to make his wheels go round and round. Wish granted. I've got these pictures sent to me separately by a couple of friends. I mentioned I needed a bike I can afford to ride after having three kids. <laughs> so so uh, this is kind of – Sean sent us an upgrade on the cardboard fairing of the previous week. These appear to be uh, fairings which are massively taken from sport bikes, possibly made to resemble sport bikes that someone has mounted on a regular pedal bike. Yeah, I think that's a gas tank too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it is. Yeah, they, they've mounted a gas tank and a tail section. Yeah, it's totally sweet. No one, no one will ever suspect a thing. <laughs> Zach, this will make your bike go. Mm-hmm. This is this is a, a CR one twenty five that'll go on beer and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, I, I, I that seat looks comfy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Thanks, Sean. You came through yet again. Yep. Some, <laughs> some. Those are some bikes. And our last email comes from Thomas, who's uh, still on his bike search and has an update about it. Oh, yes. Hello again, guys. Updates on my search. I decided to go in a different direction, a little newer. My local dealer had a 2007 Tiger 1050 with 70,000 miles on it for $3,400. Good deal. That stopped me in my tracks. My son dug it. Alas, it was sold by the time I dialed the phone. So digging around, I've seen some street triples and Tiger 1050s in the $5,000 range. Just need to get some seat time to see if they're really for me fit-wise. To compound things, that new Honda CBR500R in red looks damn sweet. It's a good time to be looking. He's all over the place, bike-wise. Yeah, I think he's... Well, if you remember, his requirements were pretty broad. I mean, he basically mm-hmm. just wants something he can ride around with his son on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, quite honestly, a kid's not the most discerning. Mm-hmm. In the world, mm-hmm. the kid is thrilled to be riding around with dad, mm-hmm. so he can't really go wrong at this point. He's just trying to decide which bike he likes best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, going from a triple to a 1050 to mm-hmm. a CBR 500, that's I do yeah. the street triple. The street triple is pretty tempting. I got to say, if I was going to have a passenger, I'd still be tempted by the Tiger just for the better seating position. Yeah, you know, and the better accommodations for the kiddo in the back. Yeah, yeah. But the, you know. the street triple might replace the Thruxton. Yeah. Yeah. Neato. Possibly. Or a... Only a slight difference between the two. Or possibly a Ducati monster mm-hmm. might replace the Thruxton. Chuck, turn, turn this way for a second. No. Turn this way. Yeah. Is your hairline receding just a little bit? It's graying, you'll uh-huh. notice. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I did turn 40. It, it is a full head of hair, though, so I'm not, I'm not sure they'll let you buy a Ducati. Oh, for fuck's sake, Todd. What what dealership has I ever walked into that they've let me just buy something? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> when have I ever walked into a dealership without having to fight? Mm, <laughs> without mm. having to just say, please, I've got money. Take it. <laughs> Look. <laughs> no, I take that back. It's been worse than that. I've gone into a car dealership with a cashier's check made out for $25,000. And had to talk them into a test drive. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's just some sort of vibe you give What off. is it about me? It's the Chuck I don't vibe. understand. I'm not slimy. I don't have your residue. Maybe you're, you're, you're invisible. Maybe you're secretly, like, completely invisible and you have some superpower you didn't know about. And you use it when you go into dealerships. You could actually just ride off on one of the bikes and they wouldn't notice. They'd be like, did you hear that? Must be the wind. If I had this superpower, I would be in the girls' locker rooms. All day, every day. I wouldn't need a job. <laughs> they would just, every day, girls would be going in and they'd just hear this giggling. 
But no, I get salesmen pushing me out of the way to go open the doors of cars of other people driving into the dealership. Mm. What the fuck is wrong with me? Well, you know what the funniest part is? The part that really makes me laugh is they always fixate right on me. I know. Like a missile. Like, hey, he looks like he's got money. Uh-uh. They fixate on whoever I'm standing next to. Hmm. It could be a hobo. It's some sort of like reflected thing. It has been a hobo. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Are you looking to buy a Beamer? Spectrange. Get a potato in my pocket. <laughs> and I'm behind him going, hello. <laughs> what, have, what have you learned this week, Chuck? My next road trip, I need a personal chef. I've learned that I don't think I want your money. <laughs> and that's all you got time for this week. Till next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.